LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. This is the Ron Edmondson Leadership Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Ron Edmondson Leadership Podcast hosted by LifeWay. And hey, if you have not subscribed yet, we'd love for you to do so so that you get the latest episodes. And Ron's mission is to help church leaders become better leaders. I'm your host, Chandler Vinoy, here with Ron Edmondson. How's it going, Ron? It's going great. Now, I really thank you for filling in. The The last ones that you did uh, for Nate were very well received. We heard great things about it. Nate is still in a really busy season, and he hopes to return to this role uh, soon. If uh, But thanks for helping out. I, I look forward to, to dialoguing with you again. Hey, absolutely. I'm glad that the uh, feedback wasn't, hey, we need somebody <laughs> else to, uh, to step in for no, a little you, bit. No, you're kind of a pro- <laughs> podcast pro already. You know, I mean, you're like already the man. So, well, yeah. Appreciate that. Do a lot of these, but yes. this is some some of my favorites because I get to talk with you and Absolutely. just uh, learn from your wisdom as I know every, all the listeners do as well. Now, last episode, we talked about things not to do when you're in decline, when your organization or your church is in decline, but we kind of left some people hanging because they're like, that's great. I yeah. know what not to do, that's but right. what should I do yeah. uh, when my organization is in decline? And that's what this episode's about. So, help us out a little bit. How, yeah. how should we? What should we do? Well, I've been on both sides of this equation. I've been in places of decline, in places of growth in both the business world and in the church world. And um, and I've learned a lot along the way. And, and every church, and this is important to point out, every church is going to have seasons of decline and seasons of growth. That's that's a natural organizational flow. Um but let me just say first, there's no cookie cutter solution to this. When your church is in decline, you can't just say this is how you do it. Uh, I saw some somebody advertising a, a program online the other day. It's probably one of my friends. I don't want to call him <laughs> out, but it said something like uh, five steps to rapid church church growth or something like that. Well, that sounds good and it may work. I've tried some of those and and they didn't work, you know, so so. Um, it, when you've got your boots on the ground, this is your church and every church is unique. Some things will work and some won't. So what I'm going to offer is not cookie cutter. It's it's literally a high view kind of look at when your church is in decline. Here's some steps to take. May work, may not, but it'll at least put you in a better position to reverse the decline. Hmm. That's good. Well, seven things to do when the church is in decline. What's the first one that somebody should do? Is evaluate. The first one is to evaluate, and that sounds common sense, and yet <laughs> most of the time people don't stop to say what's going wrong. Like, let's just ask the question, why are we in decline? Why are people leaving? Uh, why are new people not coming? You're going to have to ask hard questions. Is it, uh, pr- is it programmatic? Is it a people problem? Is it a biblical issue? Uh, perhaps your church is just plain boring. Ask that question, you know, <laughs> is that the, the deal here? But, uh, you know, if, chances are if nothing's changed in your programs over the uh, last 10 years, you probably already know your answer, you know, mm-hmm. because uh, growth comes from changes. It just it just does. New it comes from from um, from new. Yeah. And and so but you've got to evaluate. You, you've got to ask those questions. So somebody might be saying, okay, I'm, I would like to evaluate who else do I need to bring into those conversations? Because if you're the only one looking at it, it's only your perspective. Yeah, that's a great, great point. So, you know, practically, do you, do you 
ask your staff? Do you ask, you know, congregation surveys? Yeah. How, how would how would you advise I, that? I would say you could do a combination of all of those, depending on the answers you, you want, how bad the decline is and, and all that. But you're exactly right. Never just you. You've you got to be asking other people because you only see what you see. But I would probably start with key uh, leadership in the church, whether that's staff or volunteers. I would want to bring people into the room whenever I'm brainstorming that way. I want to bring people into the room who are um, honest, can see the big picture, but tr- are trustworthy. They're not troublemakers. You know, you don't want to invite them in. I wouldn't do this on Sunday morning necessarily. <laughs> but you might also bring in, um, you know, someone from the community, for example, mm-hmm. and just say, hey, when you look at our church, visit us on a Sunday and tell us what the experience is. I've done that several times mm-hmm. where I have a friend in the community. I went through a leadership program in in Lexington, and I asked the director to come in and just Hey, just come on a Sunday. I know you've got a church, but come on a Sunday. Tell me what your experience is. You know, there there are secret shopper uh, professionals out there. You could hire them, but you can ask, actually ask somebody in the community to come do that and, and help you figure that out. Um, so it's a combination of those and yeah. different people that you bring in. So number one was evaluate, and we might have actually just jumped a little bit into number two, but you can expand on that just a little bit a- even more. Absolutely, because um, number two is ask for inside and outside opinions, and and that is very important. Uh, the, um, the inside uh, opinions, uh, you, you know, and I'm experiencing this in my current context where if I have a – if there's a staff member who's been on staff for 15, 20 years – they have grown so accustomed to the way things are that if things aren't as good as they could be, they can't even see that because it's mm-hmm. our world. You know, it's it's how we live. And and so uh, people who especially people who have been there a long time, it's working for them. Right. So I don't know what the problem is because it's working for me. And so if you can bring in um Outside perspectives that could be an outside perspective could be somebody who's only been in the church six months, you know. Um, what was it? I, uh, or it could be somebody outside the the church altogether that's not even a prospect. One time I did it like like this. I brought in a group of people who were there who had been there a long time, and and I asked them three questions. And it was couples. We did this on a lunch after Sunday, and I asked them three questions. One, what brought you here? Two, what kept you here? Because the church had gone through some seasons of good and bad, and and but but you weathered the storm. So what kept you here? And then three, uh, how could we attract more people like you? And we walked through those scenarios, and and you know because if I hear over and over again that what kept you here is the relational pieces and it usually is, the relationships you have, then we have to figure out in order to grow again, we got to figure out, are we develop, uh, we, do we have systems in place that allow those kind of uh, relationships to develop and may, remain strong and that sort of thing? And people will come to the church to find relationships, yeah. right? That's part of the reason they come. Yeah. So that's really hearing that not only, because the secret shopper, I mean, it definitely does take, you're opening yourself up to criticism. You are. And, they, and they're, they're like an auditor. And if you've ever uh, owned a business or uh, been in government, um, you learn uh, 
And my wife's an accountant, by the way. But you <laughs> learn the role of an auditor is to find problems. Yeah. I mean, that's what they're there yeah. for. And so you can get real frustrated with them. But they're there for a reason. Mm-hmm. That's the purpose. Yeah. Where are the holes? What's missing? And even what you just said there is I think you could walk away from that experience. You have a secret shopper come in. And like you said, you're you're almost asking them, point, us, right. point out what's wrong. Yeah. Almost balancing that with also the insider because – you also do want to hear from those people sure. who weathered the storm and to say, exactly. here's why I've stuck around. Right. And it's almost, okay, it's a balance and probably is going to also help you persevere right. through right. everything. Right. Uh, but it's just, I want to point out the balance in that. Well, we've ha- used secret shoppers many times in the past in uh, professionals. Uh, we've done the professional and we've done the the uh, uh, the, the friend in the, in the business community that I've invited to come in. They, they always... And you want them to be positive minded too. They're mm-hmm. trying to help you. So they're not just finding all the problems. <laughs> it you know? doesn't help if you yeah. just point everything out. That's right. <laughs> but a lot of times, what you don't know is say, um, uh, we did secret, so- uh, secret Shopper one time and they said, no one greeted me in the parking lot. Well, we had a parking lot ministry, but they all had, uh, they'd gotten comfortable with that. And the people who were coming on a regular basis, they didn't need anybody in the parking lot, right? So they already knew how to. So you got your parking lot people, you got to make sure they are always mindful of, we got to look for the new person, look for the person who's confused, look for. So you have to continually retrain them and, and, and that sort of thing. And it was simply pointing out something that we were missing and then we could address that. Hmm. Well, Ron, I don't want to put too big of a plug here, but that is part of something that you would do in consulting, right? That's you right. know, somebody could actually ask you to oh, come out yeah, and be a secret I, shopper I would, I, and also offer, that's right. here's what you should do. I, I've so. done that a few times and I actually love doing that. Yeah. So if you're listening and you want to reach out, you know, feel free to just shoot Ron a message and see, you know, if he'd be open to that. So that's number two. What about number three? Number three is to own the problems. Uh, own whatever they are. Don't pretend they're not real. Um, uh, you know, I can envision a conversation where you realize, okay, um, we have a massive problem in our preschool program and it is causing people to leave left and right. They don't trust our preschool is going to keep their kids safe. Uh, there, there are three rules in preschool. I can't remember what they are. Safe, secure, and clean. I think they are. Mm-hmm. And, and so if those three aren't happening, you will not keep preschool parents. Well, if you've got a lady that's been running that for 30 years or a man that's been running that for 30 years and, oh, they, everybody loves them. Well, no, they're a terrible preschool um, director, but that we love them. But you they know? got tenure. <laughs> you, you're going to have to own the – that's your problem, you know, and I, I, I just picked that one out of the hat. I don't have I don't have that problem, thankfully, and haven't had that problem in a church. But um, whatever it is, own it and, and don't be afraid to un- – to address it, even if it's unpopular, because the 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 failure to do that is you're just going to perpetuate the decline. It's just going to keep growing. Mm-hmm. That's helpful. What's the next one? Number four. Address the major obvious issues, and those uh, that's in addition to owning it. But the the um, uh, you can't fix everything. You may not even have the resources to fix everything, but the fix the main things. Um, for example, if the church has forgotten your first love, repent of that, right? You know, what are the things the church has been called to do? I mean, like this is what the Bible tells the church to do. You got to fix those uh, first. One of the things that is 
um, been in several churches, I've experienced it in several churches, is a sense of disunity in the church, that there is a division in the church. New people walk in. So I, went, I, I actually consulted with a church one time. Uh, true story. And um, this church had more resources than they knew what to do than they knew what to do with. But they were literally split down the middle over a not a doctrinal issue, but a practical issue. And it, it developed what I said, what I've come to call the danger of the center aisle. Mm-hmm. So this was a beautiful church, had one center aisle with two sections on each side. So the sections chose sides. It was like a wedding wow. where you choose the groom <laughs> or the bride, you know, and they literally sat on different sides and wouldn't talk to each other. And I was told uh, coming in about that. The pastor had told me about that. And I, my job was to consult with them to help them think through how to how to um, how to grow again. Well, you had to address the major issue. Yeah. Look, uh, this is biblical, right? Coming together is biblical. And and uh, so you have to address that or you will not be able to grow again. God can't honor that church. And so he couldn't. He's not going to attract new people to it. So address those those major issues. And I'll throw this out. One of the things we did, uh, I was with them two or three days. And one of the things we did is we did a mosaic. And I've done this several times, a, a magazine mosaic of what your church will look like in 10 years. And we divided up the groups between the two factors uh so the two sides so people people on each team were were had somebody from both sides mm. on the team and they had to cut out pictures of magazines put on this poster board what the church should look like and i think we said maybe in 10 years or something like that and that helped to bring them okay we do have we're divided on this issue but we do have the same vision for where the church should go and that sort of thing that's one of the things we did but you that that's just a freebie, but the address the major obvious issues is is number four. Yeah, so there might be somebody who's listening to this and they're like, you know, I wish I could just you know we needed a new coat of paint on the outside of the church. Right. That sounds a little bit easier than actually having to deal with major issues right, right, of right. disunity. That's right. Um, so if we could just get kind of really practical, somebody's just listening is like, what can I do this month? And you know, you shared a little bit about that. Is it casting vision in a sermon? Is it, you know, having one-on-one conversations? If somebody was coming to you with this question, what are one to two things you would tell them to, if you could just hit the major issue head on, Mm. here's just two things I would do. Well, I do think preaching is a part of that. And, and, uh, you know, uh, go back to the disunity again. If, if disunity is an issue in the church, then that better make it to your sermons Uh, because that's a biblical sin issue. Right. And and so uh, I probably when I was in that situation and have been a couple of times preached on disunity. Is it, it was a theme and I see it as a theme in the New Testament. So I it was easy to to get to that theme. Uh, but so preaching is is certainly one of them. Um, there was a um, uh, I've been in a couple of different churches where the, um, th- there was a culture of entitlement. Like, you know, I, I don't want to sacrifice. I'm not going to work the parking lot because hmm. I, you know, or I, I'm, uh, I raise my children, so I'm not going to work it for children or that type thing, or that's my pew. You know, you, I can't save that for a visitor because it's the best seat in the house. That's my pew. So I've, I've encountered some of those types. Every church has them. And so, 
I mean, I'm going to preach the book of Jonah, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, because he's going to get to chapter four and you're going to be convicted, about <laughs> that, you know, but you, so preaching is certainly a part of that. Yeah. Um, another, another thing I would say is, um, and in fact, let's, let's move on to the next one yeah, yeah, and yeah. I'll use that as the second one. So, yep. the, so the fifth one is to find alignment somewhere. Okay. And I'm typically going to do that with a few key people. I think we lead with leaders and we lead with influencers and I can't lead everyone in the church the same level I can lead some. And so Jesus did it that way. He surrounded himself with a few people and, you know, 12 and then the inner circle and and that sort of thing. And he used those to influence kind of the world. So I'm going to I'm going to reach out to those a few leaders and try to invest in them and help them become the the catalyst for for change and growth. But part of that is is finding alignment uh, around something the church can get excited about. Um, you know, in I've, I've discovered a, a missions was something at one point. Well, missions is something that's kind of fallen a little bit and we're not doing as many missions. But that was where the church aligned. That's where the church was growing. So let's get back to some missions. Maybe it's a church used to be we should do these big events and it would draw in the community. And we always attracted people like that. Well, what are some things that can align the church around again that will cause uh, uh, greater unity in the church, but also greater momentum? to grow again. Mm. So focusing on a group of leaders or influencers and seeing what you can get them to rally around. Yeah. Awesome. Right. All right. So that's number five. What's number six? And and then it does look like I have eight on here. I'm just looking at my list. I don't we'll, know. We'll go, we'll go a bonus. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We'll we'll <laughs> I think I've got more than, than I said I did. But uh, the, the, the next one is just to regroup. Um, at some point, regardless of how drained you feel from the decline, you've got to come to to a strategy of what to do next. Uh, it probably needs to be written, but it'll be a roadmap of where you're going in the next season for the church. And that takes a, a great deal of time. Um, I've never been able to personally see very far down the road, maybe a month, maybe a few months, and I'll build plans around that. But at some point, you just kind of regroup and say, let's get a plan together. Of uh, So you've done your research, you've done your homework, all that sort of stuff. Let's regroup now and uh, and come up with a new plan. Hmm. Would, would you say it's almost safe to say this is where oftentimes people stop? Yeah. Like you've done the evaluation. Right. You're like, I know what we need to do. Yeah. And then it's like. And then they don't do it. Yeah. You <laughs> don't really have never, a plan. Never create the plan. Yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah. So if you're here, just keep pressing on, That's regroup, right. get the plan. Yeah. And then we're going to go to the next one. As my old pastor used to say, number next. Yeah. And you, number, you kind of forget where I you are. It. Number I love next. It. I love it. So the next one is reignite. Um, it's to it's to put some energy and resources where it matters most. Now, that may mean trimming away some things so you can do the right things. But um, because notoriously in churches, we tend to add layers rather than um, uh, take something away to add something on. And uh, the scripture says to make careful use of our time. So you've got to take that into consideration. But find something where you can put some energy into that and get the you've got a plan um you know get your best most creative people around that and say let's figure out how to 
how to present this to the church in a way that they're going to love. And that's where the fancy vision statements come out and the, and, and the posters and the whatever that is, uh, the programs that you're going to, the, the event, whatever that is. But uh, reignite the church again around this, around this plan. Yeah. So let's go back to your missions uh, example, you know, mm-hmm. a church that we, you know, maybe we talked to the inside people and they said, Hey, the reason I stuck around is, man, we just, we had an impact on our city and sure. we saw so many people come to Christ, even yeah. in our own community. Right. So then you realize that you get, you yeah. find alignment, we're regrouping, we have a plan. You're about to roll out this, this mission strategy, mm-hmm. whether that's local, global, however, mm-hmm. How how should you present those to your congregation as, you know, wins to get them ignited? Yeah. Maybe just do you do that on Sundays uh, and announcements? How, how would you recommend for somebody to do that? I, I would say make uh, make your list a little longer and then say I would just say yes to that because you do it in all those ways. Mm-hmm. So, yes, it, it that becomes a part, you know, of, of sermons. So um, missions. Now, obviously, if it's uh, something that's not a necessarily a biblical issue, you're not going to preach on on uh, ha- um, Halloween festivals or something, <laughs> you know. Um, but if 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 missions, to use your example, well, missions is all over the scriptures, right? So I'm gonna I'm probably going to open the Book of Acts and start to talk about that. But certainly, so certainly, vision cast uh, through the through the let the word vision cast. But then also, uh, I would tend to want to go through um, you know emails and uh, social media and groups. I want my groups aligned around this, and so I want all the groups to have some presence in in missions and in ministry what is what is your part of this and then so you want to do it in multiple levels Mm -hmm. in the church because it's it becomes the big hairy audacious goal yeah so everybody is i I, one of the things i always say is this becomes an all skate you know so we all are on the floor for this one Mm. and we and and everybody if everybody's involved then everybody has to know about it so you use every channel you've got to get that word out yeah so let's say you get the word out it's starting to go well you're Mm. starting to see some Mm. some movement yeah what's the last one the last one is celebrate uh what gets celebrated gets repeated i don't know who said that but i love it and so you just you just celebrate and the smallest wins are celebrated big we just had a, a student uh, camp and um, and and we feel really good about it. So Sunday, I'm going to celebrate that really big because we had some decisions out of that. We had some uh, I was especially especially loved. We had uh, 10 people or so that said in high school that they sense a call to vocational ministry. I mean, wow. uh, so I want to I want to make a big deal out of that because there's probably somebody sitting in the in the room that. um that may have for years since to call to ministry, a vocational ministry, and nobody's ever, you know, pushed them to the point where they like they did for me at one point and said, okay, go do this. So I'm going to want to do that as well. Uh, if you celebrate, um, uh, you will get more of that. You just naturally will. Um, and, uh, and I always just like to point out here uh, in kind of in closing celebrate authentically okay so <laughs> yeah. celebrate legitimate wins don't make it up because people read through that and if you celebrate mediocrity you'll get mediocrity you know yeah and so uh have legitimate wins but don't be af- afraid to celebrate the smallest legitimate wins yeah 
Well, Ron, that was very helpful. You know, seven, maybe a plus a bonus. Could be, count them. <laughs> things to do uh, when your churches or organizations in decline. So we do hope that you found this helpful. And if you are enjoying this podcast, please help us out. Head on over and download, share, and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes so you don't miss an episode. And let us know what topics you'd like us to talk about. And you can just do that on the review. Leave us a review. Let us know what topics you want us to discuss. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Ron Edmondson Leadership Podcast. For more information about Ron, check out ronedmondson.com. For more leadership resources from Lifeway, check out leadership.lifeway.com. Thank you.